Welcome to the Contractor Success Forum. Today we're going to be discussing how to find profitable projects. The Contractor Success Forum discusses financial strategies for running a more profitable, successful construction business. Stephen, I was listening to our podcast this morning. I just got last week's. And did you know, Wade and I talked about this last week. Did you know that when you're looking at that podcast, you can touch your finger on that thing and you pull it up? And what's right below there when you do that, Stephen? I give up. Show notes. <laughs> there are show notes down there. I, for years, I didn't know they were down there. All that valuable information with our information and all the great extra resources you could be getting about our shows. It's so cool. And oh, one more thing I was so excited about. I, Wayne knows this because we talked about it last time. Do you know what else is down there? There's this little box and it has a little arrow up there. And do you know what that does? I'm stuck. It shares it. You can share that with your best friends or your best contractors. And sometimes it depends on whether you're on Spotify, because I listen on Spotify and I saw it and you can just share it just right there. And boom, the text message comes up to send it right there to you. Or I, I, I was looking on iTunes, you can do that. And there are three little dots right there. All you got to do is hit those three little dots. You don't even have to scroll down and boom. And then you can share. But anyway, that, I was so excited about that. I'm sorry. I had to do that. I know. I know. I, I was actually going to ask you about your fishing trip. How, how was that? It, it was fun. We caught a few. Oh, I caught a few? We well, had a good, good time. We rented some boats and floated up and down the river and spent a lot of time just chillaxing and hanging all right well cool well now you're back with the great three long-term construction industry professionals that's us so first we have stephen brown a construction bond agent with mcdaniel whitley bonding and insurance agency with over 30 years of experience underwriting and placing bonds for you as contractors and Wade Carpenter with Carpenter and Company CPAs, helping contractors nationwide to become permanently profitable for over 30 years. And I don't say this enough, but, you know, he actually does job costing remotely for these contractors. That's such a cool thing. And then me, I am Rob Williams, your profit strategist with Irongate Entrepreneurial Support Systems, driving profit in contractors' businesses with decades of vertical integration as a contractor, a manufacturer, an ABA tour, and a financial strategist in the construction industry. Whoa! So today, we're going to talk about finding profitable projects. Man, that's so valuable. What does that mean to you guys? I saw a, a photograph once. It's, it's out there, and it's a boat. It's a yacht, and the name of the dinghy is contract, and the name of the yacht is change orders. You know, <laughs> that's kind of the secret of profitable jobs is getting your money, isn't it? Yeah. I never figured that out. I, I used to hear that. For some people, the dinghy was the contract and the change order was the yacht. I don't know. I, I didn't know how to play that game that way. Though. Yeah, no, the dinghy is the is the contract and the change order is the yacht. 
Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, that's the story backwards. Yeah. yeah, that's my point. Just got to get those change orders signed, or you don't get anything out of them. Yeah, man. get them in writing. A verbal okay. change order is worth nothing. Yeah. Okay, so profitable jobs, finding profitable jobs, going out there. You know, it's competitive. Everybody's competing for the same work. How, how am I going to do that? And as we were talking about this earlier, how do you know your job's profitable? Well, I know? guess I can definitely take that. I mean, if you don't have good books, if you don't have good job costing, you may have a gut feel, but a lot of times that gut can deceive you. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and Wade... We were talking earlier about when you have that job cost. You know, where do you start? There's two different standpoints from where you go. Where do you even start? I I think from Wade and I's perspective on finding profitable jobs, first, I want to see what has been profitable in the past for you as the contractor listening to this. So take your own company and your book. So what for you in your special niche and your abilities has been profitable? And Wade, as a job coster, tell me a little bit about that. Do you line them up or rank them? Well, tell, tell me a little well, bit. Sometimes it's forest for the trees. And when you're in the, in the field doing the jobs, you don't see what you're really making money at. And if you sit down with you know, your CPA or whatever, and you've got good books, just go segment them. It may be like residential versus commercial versus different types. Like you may be doing churches or retail or any number of things. I want to explore more on this talk today about where people can find the, the jobs and what they're good at. Yeah. A lot of times too, you, you know, you go through some hard times on some projects that you really shouldn't have taken on and you've invested in them. You may have invested in additional equipment, personnel, and other things that are dragging you down. And I heard someone say the best advice is get rid of that. Move right on back to what brought you to the dance. And that is what you do best day in and day out. That's your core. And that's what you have to sell. And that's the only thing that allows you to really provide quality on a consistent basis. I've had a bunch of consultants over the years and i think the most common sense thing to do we most people can figure out is to rank your jobs if you have a spreadsheet and you put the profit and you go from most profitable to least profitable you might rank them by percent you might rank them by raw dollar it's interesting to see both but it's interesting to see what is at the bottom but what about some of those other factors the pain in the ass factor i think we might start getting an e for explicit if, if yeah. that. but the uh <laughs> on our podcast here but you can rank it that way you know how much did you enjoy working with those people or that kind of job is that something you like to do but that affects you emotionally as your effort and then, and then did you have to spend a lot of time learning that that so it might, might be another column there may be a lot of extra overhead that doesn't match that overhead percent you put in there. I don't know whether it's 15% or 20, whatever, 10%, whatever percent you're putting in there for overhead, that may not be accurate on some of those jobs. So that job ranking may be off because if it's a job you've done over and over again, you as the owner probably didn't have to put much. You may have been playing golf the whole time during that because you already knew how to do everything. Have to yeah. study and learn these things. So, but don't don't forget those extra factors. Well, I mean, Wade, should you yeah. rank it by gross profit or net profit? Does that matter? I would say both. But what do you think? I, 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 I go by gross profit as long as you're consistent. Because 
go by net profit and it depends on how you allocate overhead, you could have a huge job that could look really bad because you dumped a whole bunch of overhead on it. Right. Yeah, I would do gross profit too because th- that factor that I was just talking about because for your books, your overhead is allocated, but maybe for your effort, it's not really allocated appropriately to each individual job because most of your overhead, you're not tracking every minute of thought of everybody in the office to the jobs. Most people don't. I think a lot of people still in construction, they still chase the big job. And the biggest job may not be your most profitable job. Some of the ones that have, we sit down and, and look at it and say the job's over a million, well, we take longer and we tend to stretch those out and, and the overhead catches up to us on that. But, you know, these other jobs like three hundred to 500000 I'm just making something up here, but we find out those are the most profitable because we get in and get out and we get paid fast. I remember we used to have... One house, I think it was the, the 101 plan. It was a thousand square feet. And we made more money on that house than we did on these 2,500 square foot houses. I mean, we had it down pat and we could build it in days. <laughs> you know, yeah, was, but I understand that. Some contractors, they want to show their prospects, the people that they're out there to impress what their capabilities are. You've already done it. It it speaks a thousand words. I've already done it. But finding that profitable job, some people will argue, well, competitive bid jobs with a bunch of other bidders where they take the lowest bid, I'll never make money on that. You just give your price and you don't know what your competitors are doing. It's frustrating. Sometimes it costs money to bid work. But at the same time, getting in there and developing your relationships, finding out, making sure you know everything that's going on in your operating territory and finding jobs that are out to bid from subscription services like Dodge, CDC, your local builders exchanges, stuff posted on federal websites for federal work and your local municipalities, you know, in your region, what do they have coming out to bid? And another thing is a lot of successful contractors and subcontractors develop a relationship with architects and engineers. You know, if you're going to bid a job, their information's right on the cover of the bid specs. Give them a ring and talk to them a little bit. Get to know them. Next thing you know, you'll swing by the office to visit with them. And you'll be surprised architects generally, unless they're swamped, love talking to you about what's going on out there. Yeah, so I I was going to say that was my number two things. Once you get all those jobs lined up with the prices down there, then then you figure out how to find new jobs. And I think one of my thoughts was, are there qualifications to bid it? Who gets to bid this? Do they need to be bonded? Do they not need to be bonded? So are you competing against people that are just trying to find a labor job for themselves? Or are you, is there some kind of qualification process? Like I'm sure a lot of those federal jobs have some kind of qualification process that might narrow it down. Although I I just was reading a friend of mine's book that was talking about some of those federal jobs. The margins are actually lower because they got so many people bidding them. So it depends on which jobs they are. Wait, Wade, can you chime in there? Yeah, well, absolutely. When you're talking about bid jobs, I mean, that's what everybody complains about. Everybody, especially when times get tight, everybody's bidding and they drive the margins down. And the ones that win are the ones that are really good at what they do. They may have a niche where maybe they're doing water treatment plants or 
schools or a certain type of retail. And then there's other ones that they get really in good with a big retailer and they do all their stores. They can get in and get out and they know exactly what they need. Those are the ones that make really good money. Right. And I've heard other contractors say, don't don't worry about what your competitors are doing or whether their plate's full or not. Bid your numbers for the work that you need to do or don't do it at all. And I understand we, we were talking about robbing Peter to pay Paul on certain projects because of your overhead expenses, your payroll costs and so forth. And again, that's all about what Profit First has to offer, being able to determine that. But going after profitable work is just a lot about relationships. A lot of contractors have certain owners that they work for exclusively and they stay very busy year in and year out. And they quote their profits on there, and it's done. Then there's construction managers that uh, are predominantly concerned that you keep it within budget, but that the work is quality work. It reflects on them if it's not. And then you've got GCs that will bid sub work, subcontractor trade work, just planning on subbing out the labor only. And right now the market's kind of hard, and that's kind of hard to do. So the the subs are in a stronger position to make more profit. Stephen, I remember in you know 08, 09, when those jobs were ridiculously competitive because you had all the residential guys coming to bid the commercial jobs. And a lot of those jobs, they were just bidding to keep their labor working. So they were really doing it cheap. But I do remember you know, a lot of my friends that had been in business a long time, they were I would guess we'd call that a qualified bid or a negotiated bid where they were just doing work for an owner and they, they were the only one doing it, whether it was cost plus or just a bid system. Can you talk about that, either one of y'all, about getting qualified for that? It's not really qualified or negotiating if you've got a niche and a reputation. All three of us were talking about how building your reputation can go a long way, too, to get some of those profitable. Yeah, well, certain areas of the country, depending on logistically where the distribution center is, just have industrial plants they do service work for. They make their profit, but they have to be available 24-7. And there's always kind of a trade-off. I think that you'd be surprised at some of the federal and municipal jobs that are right up your alley that just drop in front of you that you may or may not know about and have missed an opportunity for that. What do you think, Wade? Well, I was, you know, just sitting there thinking about what you were saying. If you're a general contractor, your subs can make or break you too. And some of the GCs, I've got one that does about 150 million a year and his subs love him. They pay well and the subs take care of the GC. 20, 25 years ago, I had a $600 $600 million general contractor. And he was one of the ones that he would go through the subs and nickel and dime them and sue them. And the quality of work there, it just, you know, it's a well-known name. If I threw it out, you guys would probably know it across the country. And they nickel and dime their subs to death, but sometimes you get lesser quality because those guys don't really care for the GC and vice versa. It reflects on them. I think that's a great point, Wade. And not only taking care of subs, but your vendors, your material suppliers. On a large pipe job where the materials are half of the contract amount or more, you're going to need a better price than your competitor. And it's that loyalty. You take those vendors, you pay them on time, you appreciate them, you take time to have a relationship. They make money 
off of you. And I, I've had customers that have treated me like I was the most important vendor they had. And I, I would bend over backwards to do anything for them. And, you know, that all goes into estimating a job. Yep. Yeah, those vendors can actually be your qualification to get in there too, your unique qualification because you work with them. I do have one good friend contractor that his whole business is based basically on his vendor's expertise. He qualifies because that vendor is such an expert at it and it makes his life easy as well. So get those good relationships going. I know this is not really about the vendor thing, but that does have to do with getting the good jobs. I know we're about out of time, but that one other thing that we talked about is profitable jobs is contract provisions. We could do a whole episode on that. And you know what? We already did. We just did an episode on contract provisions. So we won't talk about that because we just did it. So uh, go back and listen to that. Hey, there's some scary contract provisions out there. So uh, read your contracts. Yeah, good episode there. Yeah, so, so go listen to that one. Anything else to add? Did we leave out a whole subject? Oh, supplier bonds. That was one other note I had. That's to make a job, especially right now, because I'm just thinking about material. We Up, up, up. And I just read yesterday that this week we're having a massive lumber drop. So it's just crazy. So how do you protect your profit with that? Which I think we've had some other subjects about that. I, I think that's mixed in some of our other episodes. Yeah, you can make your material provider give you a supply bond to lock in your prices according yeah, to your agreement. I, I right now, so it's just a third party bonding. The bonding company guarantees it. And I really kind of recommend it if those materials are just stuff that you can't get off the shelf. And mm. because of that, they have to be made for your project. Uh, and they're not easy to get. A supply bond is a great way to remind them that they're going to do exactly what they say in their contract and supply that exactly the way they said. It's just an option. It's not very expensive to require a supply bond. And that supply bond may take some of your bonding capacity off of you and displace that. Does Absolutely, that work that way? yeah. Okay. Well, cool. Well, this has been a great episode. I know we've, we've actually gone over how, this subject. We thought it was so small, and we've already gone over our time again. So it's great having you guys here at the Contractor Success Forum. We have Wade Carpenter with Carpenter & Company CPAs. Appreciate you being on. And Stephen Brown with McDaniel Whitley. And, and our webpage, it's already in the show notes, is go to contractorsuccessforum.com and see us. Our information's there. You can look at all these episodes here and download them and get all that valuable. Just because it's free doesn't mean it's not valuable. So it is valuable. So thank you guys for being here, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks.